Hey everybody, it's Kelly Stewart here with another episode of the Human Source Codex and today I am sharing space with my beautiful friend, colleague, uh, Amanda Held. Amanda is in the USA, in Ohio, in a beautiful place called Swanton and Amanda is a breakthrough coach for challenged individuals. Um, What does that mean? We'll go into that as we actually uh, dive deeper into this podcast. She's also a creator of the Equine Wisdom Institute and the founder of nonprofit uh, organization called Hoops, which is healing of our veterans equine services. I love the way that that actually come about, Hoops, healing of our veterans equine services. She's also developed evidence-based solutions that help both horses and humans transform into the best versions of themselves. She's done a shit ton of study and research relative around studying horse and human behavior and natural law. She has developed powerful insights that she loves to share on stage as well as in the classroom and the arena. Working with Amanda leaves clientele with the clarity and confidence to operate with maximum efficiency, obtain their high level goals with ease. Amanda also has developed the equine wisdom integration method we're going to talk about that one. And recently actually developed what she's calling reflection-based horsemanship, in which she teaches other equine-assisted facilitators and equestrians who are seeking a deeper understanding and connection with both themselves and their equine partners. She's also published author of The Little Book of Questions for Massive Transformation, uh, she's a coach, a facilitator, equestrian, and also a first sergeant. Holy shit, there's a lot of stuff going on here. I tried to condense it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, first sergeant at the 127th Fighter Wing Medical Group in, in Michigan, Air National Guard. Amanda's custom workshops and retreats create a, a clear path for participants to access deep levels of healing and awareness that move them into a space of true self-mastery. Over the past decade, she's helped veterans, equestrians, therapists, facilitators and businesses from grassroots to Fortune 500 companies operate more efficiently. Her military experience also brings a unique perspective to the life and business arena. Amanda's passion is to deliver prompt, lasting results that can easily be achieved through her specialised coaching methods paired with the sentient wisdom of the horse. I absolutely love this. Like, um, Amanda and I have known each other now for about probably 10 years or so, and this is something that we share our inspiration and passion very deeply. And so, you know, without further ado, I'd love to actually welcome Amanda Held to the Human Source Codex podcast. Welcome, Amanda. And I'm so looking forward to having this conversation with you. Uh, So thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is, I feel like this has been a long time coming and I couldn't be more excited. So. Yeah, me too. Amanda and I have actually shared space, you know, in, in complimenting each other and challenging each other too, as well in this space of like horse and human behavior. And, uh, you know, I spent some time up on the ranch in Swanton with Amanda last year, living there. And, and we, we delved deep into research, looking at the elements of what we're going to talk about today. So there's been a lot of uh, space and time apart from us. And this now I'm so grateful to, to be able to come to this place where we can really bring this information to humanity, but not also, also horses too as well. 
what what are some of the things that you would actually love to share relative to your journey? Because you know, there's so much. There's so much that you've actually been and done, and you know, experienced. And so there's so much wisdom. So what would be the number one thing that you would love to be able to to share that would actually bring fulfillment to horses and humans? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And you're right, there is a lot. And and before we delve into that, I just I just want to publicly thank you and just really take a moment to recognize you because you have been such a mentor. Oh, I'm like tearing up. <laughs> uh, you've been such a mentor, such a dear friend, such an inspiration. And I, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, would not be here without you. So I, I am forever grateful for your support and for your challenge. <laughs> and uh, really uh, just this, this full circle moment that we're sharing right now. So I just wanted to say, say thank you. I'm well, I, I see that with pure gratitude, you make me tear up too. So thank you. <laughs> Look at us. We're already crying on our podcast. Because the depth of the work that we go into it means so much to us in that heartfelt space, you know, because we, yeah, we'll dive into it. You'll yeah. see. Yeah, so, it really does. And and so I guess to answer your question, uh, if I if I had to just get one point across to the audience, whether you're a facilitator, you wanna be a facilitator, you have no desire to be a facilitator and you're simply an equestrian in any uh, fashion, is that your horses have something to share with you that will change your life. No matter how much you think you know or don't know, they have a message for you. And when you can put your ego aside, when you can put your need to control aside, and you can simply show up in a space and give them the floor to share with you. It changes everything. And so I guess I have a lot of micro missions, but they all accumulate to the big mission of teaching people how to really listen to and communicate with their horses so that they can heal and their horses can heal. And that's really the ripple effect. That's really cool. Um, yes, I, I, I totally understand and agree. Like the message from the horses, uh, they're such beautiful sentient beings with a high level of sensitivity, you know, relative to what's happening in their, in, and they really feel into the frequency of the field, right? So um, when, when a person is in the space of the horse and whether they're an equestrian or they're a facilitator, what are some of the things that you actually notice that the horse is actually sending messages? Like what are the, what are some of the common messages? Or if you have a story that is relative to you that you would love to share, some of you know, I think stories are great, you know. So <laughs> if you have a story that's relative to you that you've already experienced, so like let's share it. Boy, I have a lot of stories. Let me, you know, I'm just going to go to the most recent story uh, because one of the things, <clears throat> and again, you guys, I just want everybody to know, like I teach what I teach, not from things that I've learned in, in a book necessarily. I've learned a lot of things from a lot of books, but everything that I teach, I've, I've made a mistake at some point in my life and it's brought, it's imparted wisdom on me that I now use and teach. So, you know, uh, when I say things, it, it's not a criticism, it's an observation and it's an observation that I've gained likely from a mistake that I've made. So uh, one of the, so we'll start with that. So one of the mistakes I made early on in, in my facilitation life is uh, when I first learned how to 
facilitate and do this equine, you know, assisted coaching, I just wanted to go out and do this work on everybody, right? Like if you were walking and breathing, my goal is to get you in my arena so that I could do some work on you. Um, you know, because we're inspired, because we know what it's done for us. But in that, I think I lost doing the work on myself for a minute. <laughs> but thank you to the universe for always, you know, disproving uh, that. And so I learned later on that even though I was doing the work and helping other people, that didn't mean that I was done doing my own work. And it also didn't mean that my horses were not going to facilitate me whenever I needed that, even if it was in the middle of me facilitating someone else. So uh, now I tell my clients when they come to see me, I'm going to facilitate you with this horse, but this horse also might have feedback for me. So, you know, I'm, if uh, something's being addressed in our session with me, then I'm going to address that too. So I say that to tell the story that two days ago, I went out to the pasture and I got these grooming gloves and I've been using them to connect with this Mustang that I have named Montana. He was very aggressive when he came to me and we've done a lot of work. And now we're really working on like bonding and connecting and creating fair exchange. And I have these gloves and I go out and I just, I just scratch them all over with these gloves. And I was gonna do a video um, to just show people how I use the gloves and talk about how great they are. So I go out with my little Pivo and my little tripod and I'm, going out in the mucky pasture and I get to a dry spot and I set everything up and I get the gloves and I'm like, okay, who wants to be groomed? Um, and then Ellie, one of my uh, homebred Mustangs uh, came over and she just backed her butt right up to me. Um, and so I, I started scratching her, you know, that was not totally uncommon, but then she started lifting her leg repeatedly her back left leg up and down, up and down, up and down. And I'm like, okay, this has happened more than a couple of times. It must be feedback. So I, I've developed this uh, communication method in this chart that I now use to communicate with my horses. So I know that um, she's indicating that I'm kind of carrying something from the past and it has to do with uh, my family. And so it was interesting because earlier in the day, I had actually had a conversation with a friend and it brought up something with my mom that I, I thought I had cleared, but I actually hadn't. And I was kind of carrying that trigger around. Um, so she did, she did this move and she indicated this to me. And I said to her out loud, and I actually have it on the video, like, okay, I know, when I, I know what you're telling me to work on. Thank you for that wisdom. And the, the second I said that to her, she walked away. So I'm like, okay, I can go back to making my video. Then Gracie, one of um, my friend's Mustangs that is kept here, came back over to me and she did the same exact thing, identical movements. And I'm like, okay, I really, this is really something that's come up to come out. And it's really time for me to take a pause and, and go in and do the work on it. Um, and then I, as soon as I did, uh, and I got to the re resolution, she walked away. So they're just really good at stopping you in a moment. If, if you go out to work with your horse and you have something on your heart, that is the first thing they pick up on. And if you don't address that, they're gonna keep showing up in ways that we like to call as humans uh, behavioral challenges. And so when we see it as a behavioral challenge, 
we feel the need to go in and make a correction. We got to teach that horse a lesson and we had to correct that undesirable behavior. But when we look at it as feedback instead, and we gain this beautiful wisdom, they actually stop doing the behavior and we can correct it in a way that also empowers us and moves us forward in our life. And I've, I've been doing that for 10 years and I have yet to see it not hold true. I love that. And it, it's, <laughs> to me, <clears throat> it's always fascinated me uh, in all the years of actually, you know, starting horses and training horses and, and working in, in the horsemanship field it is that, uh, you know, I get a lot of problem horses actually sent to us and, and for us to actually fix. And one of my beautiful mentors, Ray Hunt, he used to have this saying, he's like, show me your horse and I'll say, I know the life inside of you, right? So when we can actually look at the reflection component that's actually occurring on, on our, from our horses, like back to ourselves, whenever we're in space and time with them and objectify that, we can potentially integrate the perceptions or the belief systems that are being not only imposed like onto the animal, but also the life inside of us too. So in the work that you do, how would you actually go about uh, integrating those triggers? Because you mentioned, you know, it was a trigger that actually came up in yourself and you straight away picked up on that. It was relative to mum. So what is, what is some of the ways that you would actually integrate those particular triggers? And then how would you, how do you know by the horse's behavior that it's in a place of integration? Yeah, that's a great question. So to start out, I look at, you know, the emotions that come up and then I look, I always ask myself the question, how do I see myself in that moment? So I, uh, every action or interaction is rooted in a belief, right? Because from basically the age of zero to 12, we're absorbing, we're getting our programming. And then from 12 on, we're, we're kind of living in a feedback loop of everything. So uh, this <clears throat> memory was, you know, before the age of 12, and that was attached to the belief. So I just went back and I said, I looked at all the ways I saw myself in this very specific memory that had come forth. Um, and then I asked myself in that same moment, where, where were the opposite things true? Where, were, where was the opposite to my belief? And so in, in this particular scene, um, it was between my parents having an argument over money, um, which was a toxic pattern of mine for a long time. Um, and it, I always thought it was the belief of not, not having enough, but it, there was actually a control component in this. And it was about not having control and I've been working really hard on my finances um, in the past couple of years, and they've really grown in, in tremendous ways. And I feel like, you know, I have set some very high level goals and I still felt like something was holding me back. So I really, I needed this scene to happen. And I was able to go back to that time um, and, and look at, you know, the, where, where did I perceive I didn't have control? It was actually a time that I thought we were going to lose our house because our, our house payment hadn't been paid. And, um, you know, we, I thought we were told that, oh, we might have to go live in a van and, you know, just a lot of, a lot of resentment towards my mom in that moment for over-dramatizing the situation. Um, and the piece of wisdom I got out of this was, you know, <laughs> things aren't always as bad as they seem. And I actually did have a lot of control in that moment. I found a lot of control in my space. 
Um, and then I like, I always like to ask myself the question and, you know, in that moment where I perceived that I didn't have control, what were actually the benefits of that? What were the benefits of not having control over finances as a, you know, eight-year-old? <laughs> well, I can think of a lot of benefits. So I, I just go into these scenes and, and I know this is really deep, <laughs> especially if you've never done this work before or heard of this work, but I just don't know how to be any other way at this point in my life. So <laughs> I'm sorry if you're listening to this, it's deep. But this, this is really beautiful because um, it may be deep, but it's relevant. Like, especially at this point, it's deep, but it's relevant. And um, I'm going to be controversial here because you know me, I can be very controversial. And when we talk about deep and relevance, we're comparing ourselves to others, right? But in the essence of that, we have uh, other systems and processes that are out there relative to, let's just say, equine-based therapy or equine-based psychotherapy or equine healing processes, but they just don't go deep. They just, like, stick on the surface. And the integration or the fair exchange is, uh, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry, is just not going to happen because it's not going deep enough. So. Uh, in the essence of like, please refrain from judging yourself because I know the wisdom that you have and the ability to be able to really help people integrate and go very deep is the core essence of the wisdom of the horse, but also the wisdom of the work that we're doing and you're doing, bringing people into a place of equity, into a place of balance. So some of the things that we actually see with um, the other associations out there is that there's an inability to actually go deep into the components that are actually uh, happening between horse and human. And this is where I know you, Amanda, that you're able to actually like take it to that point and really get true integration that's occurring. So I just wanted to share that. Thank you for that. No, I do appreciate it. And you're right, because, you know, we're being so vulnerable here. As mm -hmm. I'm listening to myself talking out loud, I'm like, ooh, <laughs> you know, talking about these deep things. And, and I was comparing myself to, yeah, maybe some other people that are like, ooh, this is really deep stuff to be sharing on a podcast to put out to the world. But, you know, it's just the truth. And I'm not ashamed of that. It, and I, I've done a lot of work on my past. And I continue to do a lot of work in my past, but you know, what I did the other day was very deep, but I also feel like it's unlocked, you know, even that next level of financial gain for me, which is what I had asked for. And, you know, again, like I owe it all to the horses. They, they, I set an intention. I walk out to the pasture and they deliver every time it, it hasn't <laughs> not happened yet. Um, so I, so yeah, I was able to go in and I just pick, you know, it's always a specific memory. I don't ever do the work, um, on a generalized belief. We always have to have a specific memory and I just go in and I mean, it, it seems almost too simple at this point. Um, it's not easy, but it's when, simple. When we go into the specific memory, like uh, we refrain from the story that's actually attached to it. So in the specific memory, we can actually go to the cause, the true cause, the actual cause, as opposed to the layers of uh, a cause or, or story that's layered on top. And I'm going to, you know, this is where we see the victim mentality actually come in uh, from the layers of the story. 
But if we can go to, like you say, the specific moments, then the horses will deliver every single time as the feedback mechanism, you know, the non-biased feedback mechanism that is on the outside of us to actually give us the true essence of integration of the polarity that's occurring between man and horse through the morphogenic energy fields, right? We can go deep into the quantum components, so that probably bore the shit out of all of our listeners. But it is relevant to understand those components of what's happening in the biophotonic fields and the L fields and to be able to look at the life inside of you. But what I'm getting to here is, is that the pure essence of truth is to actually go to the specific moment of the perception of the trigger or the charge inside of you. And when we, when, so what do you notice? Because this is a lot of people that we, we sort of like equestrians, um, anybody that's a facilitator around equine-based uh, facilitation, uh, don't tend to have the awareness to, to the, what specifically is the feedback. We go to the word specific again. So what is it that actually gets you to actually trigger that? Okay, that's a specific. How do you know inside of you? So I, well, I've done a lot of work in, um, you know, just connecting with my inner knower and higher power. And I'm, I'm pretty well versed in kind of listening to my gut and um, those in, intuitive nudges. But, you know, even, even more when I'm in these moments, I rely on the horse and, and the shifts are instant, instant shifts. And so actually when I, when this memory came up, and I was feeling all the emotions that were packed away in this memory. Um, one of the big, big things that came up for me was shame, like shame and guilt, you know, because as a child, we internalize everything. And it was like, it, how, sh I mean, we, we never lived in a van and, and we never lost our house. I think it was just a dramatic moment. But, um, you know, what are people going to think of me if I'm homeless? And there was shame with that. And then, you know, as a kid, like, I remember very specifically, well, if I didn't want so many things, if I didn't ask my parents to buy me so many things, if I wasn't spoiled, you know, then I wouldn't have, you know, then, you know, that guilt came in of like, I'm asking too much. And as I'm doing this, the horse turns and just starts putting her nose to the ground repeatedly. Like she put her head level, put her nose to the ground, put her le head level, nose to the ground. And it was like, I was watching, I was watching my thoughts play out in the, the body of the horse as she was moving from self wrongness or shame and guilt. And, and on my chart, um, you know, I have when, when the head lowers, the horse is indicating shame and guilt. When the horse's neck raises its pride. And then when the horse's uh, neck is level with the withers, um, that's balance. And she was, as I was trying to, you know, kind of justify in my head, like, well, you were just a kid. And, you know, that wasn't really true. Like I, the, I watched the horse's neck <laughs> battle this out in my head, you know, and then you had asked earlier the question, how do you know when it's complete? You know, so I did, I went in and I just, anything that came up for me uh, to be addressed, I just find the opposite. Where was the opposite true? Where was the opposite true? Where, where was it true? Um, and then I got to the point, you know, at the end where I had to ask, you know, what, what power did I gain out of that? Or what, what was actually the benefit of um, having to go through that 
as a child. And, and I could see clearly in that moment, um, a, a sense of awareness was born. And one of the things I, I love most, one of my most valuable attributes I feel is the awareness that I have. I feel like it served me so well. And I, what's interesting and, you know, we don't have to go into the trauma talk in this podcast. Maybe we can do another podcast on trauma. Um, but the one thing I've seen consistently in my own life and in the hundreds, maybe thousands of people now that I've worked with is if you think about the thing that you value, one of your attributes about yourself that you value the most, um, that was grown or fostered to the degree that it was inside of those challenging moments of your life. And um, I see that so clearly. And in this moment, I just saw that like, wow, I went, I just like felt that awareness, the feeling of awareness in my whole body. And I watched the horse take a big, deep breath. She pulled her neck up level with her withers and she just walked away and she went back to the um, round bale and she started grazing. And so that was really my affirmation that, that I was complete and integrated. Um, and if, if you are not a facilitator and you're on the equestrian side of this and you want to talk about balanced riding, I can't tell you how many clients I've gone to work with and they can't get their horse balanced and they're trying to do rollbacks and they're trying to do all these um, physical maneuvers and these training maneuvers and they're like, ah, I still can't get my horse balanced. Um, you know, and then we look at the, the mental and emotional imbalances in the, the person and when we clear those up, then without doing all these crazy exercises, the horse then will balance out. And, you know, I know Kelly, you've, you've done more of that than I have, but um, it's, it's steadfast. It, there has not been a time that I have worked with a, a rider an equestrian and we've cleared their stuff that it hasn't shown up in their horse, not one time ever. <clears throat> so true. So, so true. If you're working on yourself, then your horse is actually going to change relative to where you are in vibration and frequency. And it's, it's, this is what I love about it is there's this intelligent body is, you know, the horse has an intelligent body, but also we have an intelligent body, but then we have the, the panpsychic universe, which is also an intelligent overall body, right? So we're all inside of these particular things. And, when, when we can realise that we, when we come home to ourselves and we do the work on ourselves and bring ourselves into a state of equity or equanimity, interesting that it's equine, equanimity, and balance and how we actually work with horses in there. I used to see this regularly when I was training a lot of horses. My horse won't pick up the right cantilate, okay, so therefore there's an imbalance in the left side of the human's body. So, but then there also there's an imbalance in, in terms of perception. So we can go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole to find the cause and effect of that. But what, what I, and I know you see it too, is, is that we get caught in the tech technology or the, the technical side of things or the mechanistic. You know, we want to look at pull this rein, put this leg back there, you know, make the horse do this, make the horse do that. Let's force it into a state of balance. But, you know, we're only working with the mechanistic side of the animal, the biomechanical, but really, and the biomechanical component of the human. But two parts of that process in polarity is the, the vitalistic component or the spirit. You know, we have the spirit of us, the spirit of the animal, and then the biomechanical side of things. So quite often we actually do see that that is left out. 
And now I love the fact that you've created this beautiful model called reflection-based horsemanship. Do you want to share about what is that and what is it that you would love to actually bring to the world? Yes. Yes, I would love to share that. So this this is recent. Actually, the name reflection-based horsemanship just came to me last week, although I've been diligently working on this for, I'd say, at least the past year. Um, you know, and there are some components of horsemanship that are still there. Um, and then there's a lot that aren't, but it starts with you becoming aligned with yourself. So the, the very first part of reflection-based horsemanship doesn't have anything to do with a horse. <laughs> it has to do with you Excellent. knowing yourself intimately. And, uh, you know, Kelly and I talk about what we call axiology, um, but that is really, your axiology is made up of your dominant traits and characteristics, your intrinsic values, your God-given gifts. Um, it's basically who you are at a DNA level and it's as unique as a fingerprint. And so if you are living a life that is congruent with your axiology, your horse will respond differently to you than if you're living a life that's incongruent with your axiology. So before we can even touch our horses, we need to really find out who am I and I, am I living in a congruent life? Because if I'm not, the feedback of my incongruencies are gonna show up in my horse. And uh, you know, we don't have to go super deep into that, but um, I spent the last year with my miniature horse, Patriot, who um, we thought were, was gonna die. He came up with some horrible injuries and illnesses. And so this is really the premise of reflection-based horsemanship. And, and it was actually you, Kelly, that started this. So thank you for that. Um, but I, my horse is, his, he's a dwarf miniature horse and his coffin bones were basically at 90 degrees. And I sent these leg x-rays to Kelly and she, and it looked like he was on his tiptoes. And Kelly said to me, Amanda, where are you tiptoeing in your life? <laughs> And of course I ugly cried because I was. Um, and he, so he came down with all these physical ailments because we were at the, the we call it the catastrophic bitch slap phase of feedback. The uh, fourth phase of feedback, <laughs> universal constructs, right? Yeah. And I, I just want to, just forgive me for interrupting, but yeah. I just want to, uh, you know, this is beautiful because I wanted to actually bring in the element of Patriot's story because it is such a beautiful uh metaphor for what it is I think that you want to bring to the world too as well and so please go ahead and share because okay. I'm great <laughs> this I know I'm all over the place but it's so much I'm trying to make it palatable um and you know we can do more podcasts if people <laughs> want to hear more <laughs> but um yeah so but that but that's the first part right so um I was I was getting some physical feedback of where I was incongruent in my life and I was ignoring it because, you know, I'm tough and I just put my head down and I just bore through it. And so I wasn't listening to my physical feedback. Um, but, you know, look, horse people, we always say we care about our horses get better care than we get. Right. So maybe something is painful to us personally and we'll just muddle through it. But if it shows, but if something's wrong with our horse, we're going to stop what we're doing and we're going to take care of our horse. And I think the universe knows that. I know the universe knows that with beyond a doubt. Um, so I was living really incongruent. I was overloaded, overburdened. I was selling myself out. I wasn't respecting my time. I had no boundaries and I wasn't 
doing what I really wanted to do. I really wanted to start the, the Equine Wisdom Institute. It had been on my heart, but I was telling myself, I can't, it's too scary. I've got too much going on. And when, when you brought that up about the tiptoeing, like I knew in my DNA, in my bones, in that moment, I have to stop tiptoeing around everybody. And I, and I stopped, I stopped in that moment. And I, I'm a different person <laughs> than I was a year ago because I did start speaking my truth. And it didn't mean that I had to become mean, although some people didn't like it when I started, you know, setting boundaries, but that's okay. Um, so, you know, I started doing that, but as I said first, like before we can even look at your horse, are you living congruently? You have to. Um, it's the only way to have fulfillment on this planet in this lifetime is if you are living in your axiology and you can't be happy outside of it. So that's the first part. Uh, so we look at who you are at an intrinsic level. We find out if you're incongruent. If, if you're not, we find out how to get you congruent. And, you know, a lot of what reflection-based horsemanship is, is about how you're showing up. Because so many of these things that we, quote unquote, have to train our horses to do, I mean, a lot of the things they would do much easier because a lot of things they innately do. Um, and not, you know, not everything. I know we have different skills and disciplines, but so much of the foundational work is already what's intrinsic to horses. We just have to allow them to express it instead of us trying to suppress it through controlling them, right? And the other thing that I've observed, you know, this has probably been over the past eight or nine years. Um, and, I, and I observe it even more now as I continue to work on myself and clear my aura and be authentic and, and all of that is that I can go into pretty much any barn around any horse, no matter what's going on with it. And without directly taking action or inaction, I can get the horse to cooperate. I can, we can have a conversation. Um, and, you know, I can take a horse that's very upset, um, a, a horse that's herd bound, whatever the case may be. And in a very short time, within moments, usually get that horse into a state where it's yawning and, and closing its eyes and almost falling asleep. Um, <clears throat> and I have to believe, just based on the experiences and the research, that, you know, I'm not necessarily doing things to that horse as much as I've cleared my energy and how I show up. And that, so that's really the, the basis. I also noticed too, when I was training a lot that I would take a horse, you know, I would get, I always used to joke and say, nobody would ever send me a, a sane horse to train. It was always the ones that were going to go to the kill pen because they were trying to kill someone or, you know, anyway. Um, and then I would get them and within two to three sessions, they'd be in this puppy dog like state um, and, and the, the problems would go away. And, you know, I, I mean, one time I had someone that only wanted me to put five days training on this horse and I did. And by the end of the five days, it was going around beautifully. All the problems were fixed and I sent it back. And, <laughs> you know, within a couple of days, it was right back doing, doing its other things. So that's where the reflective comes in you can't even begin to train your horse until you've become congruent within yourself. Um, and then the second step is taking, taking exercises that you do with your horses, but not, you know, not in the way of natural horsemanship. And I'm, I'm really starting to kind of see this whole natural horsemanship movement kind of fade out. And I, and I do, 
need to poke some holes into that because uh, I do feel like many of the exercises that are done with your horse in natural horsemanship are communicating to your horse that you are not a safe person, that you are in fact a predator. Uh, you know, horses communicate through body language. And if you are taking, you know, and, and, I, and I can say this because I used to do it. I was such a big natural on the natural horsemanship movement because at the time it had worked better than anything I had ever found to that point. And I could work with all these crazy Mustangs by taking them in the round pen and, you know, running them. Um, and then I, then I learned of all these things and it was like the veil was lifted and I'm like, oh my gosh, everything I'm doing to my horse is telling my horse that they can't trust me. You know, and, and you helped me, Kelly, with the, the two eyes, dispelling the two eyes, you know, when your horse has its body behind its head, it's in self-preservation mode. And you, when you are putting the horse's body behind its head, you've just told your horse, I'm not a safe person to be around. So if danger comes, your horse isn't going to look to you for safety. It's going to freak out. Um, exactly. You know. If you're taking a horse in a pen and the first thing you do is start chasing it with a flag and making it run when it's not willing to run, you're engaging its flight instinct. So, um, you know, that that's one component is all the things that we do. Um, you know, sometimes when people ride, I look at their positioning on the horse and they're literally like hunched over, like almost like you were like a tiger on their back, you know, and then people talk about, oh, you know, a broke horse and and the other thing that I've noticed that ties into to this uh, reflective reflection based horsemanship is that horses aren't afraid of death. They're not afraid to die. They will succumb very easily to the fact that they're probably going to die and they'll just give up and they'll, they'll go within and shut down. And that's what we call a good broke horse. So what we're seeing is this great positive, oh, my horse is so broke. I can throw a tarp over its head and I can, you know, do this and that to it. And it doesn't do anything. Yeah. Your horse has succumbed to the idea that it's going to die and it's become okay with dying. Um, it is not fulfilled. And, and so, you know, again, like I used to be on that train, you know, I got to stand on their back and whip whips on the side of them. I mean, I've been there, so it's not a criticism. But when I learned better, I started to do better. And now the relationship, you know, and I can still, you know, do all those things on my horses. Um, and they're, you know, it's not like, you know, and I'm also not saying never challenge your horse because I'm not on that bandwagon either of just let the horse do whatever it wants. But it's that two-way conversation of I'm going to allow you to show me things and then I'm going to help you build confidence and I'm going to expose you to some challenging situations and we're going to work together to get through those situations so we can have confidence in each other and in ourselves and we can maintain or at least play in that realm of balance. So I guess it's building trust. And it's trust-based reflective horsemanship in that format but between the horse and the human. And also really, really understanding the intrinsic driving values of like human behaviour and horse behaviour and refraining from the anthropomorphic projection upon another species to live inside another species' value system and being able to communicate it in, in a way that is in a fair exchange between each other in terms of interspecies communication or interspecies re relationships uh, that might be a little deep, 
but um, I love the fact that you can can see these particular components and it's a beautiful syncretic development of natural horsemanship because nature abhors a vacuum, right? It's, it's not something that we're going to have to get rid of. It's a perfect learning opportunity to add another layer. And so by adding another layer, we bring in a new essence of information for people to actually rise up in consciousness, but also to help the horses rise up in consciousness too as well. So what has actually come before is beautiful because now we can see the imperfectness to it, but in essence it's all perfect because it gives you an opportunity to, to add new layers. And this is the course of wisdom that actually applies to in anything. So syncretic development in relativeness to horsemanship and like horse behaviour and human connection to those particular things is, is where we're at potentially, like right now, bringing something that is, relatively a new way of thinking, adding another layer for people to be able to step up, but also to step into a new relationship with themselves, but also with their horses, if they are equestrians or if they are facilitators. Mm, you made that sound so eloquent. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm still uh, <laughs> word vomiting a little bit on this, I think because I'm so inspired and, and I you know, I still have swirling uh, thoughts in my head, but yeah. And, and so this really is for, you know, people that are equestrians that are just practicing the horsemanship and they're in whatever discipline they're in. Um, and for, for facilitators, people who are in the industry as well. And again, another one of the observations that I've had, and, and it's not a criticism, it's an observation and I've been there, but I feel like there's so much fear, like the industry right now, I hear a lot, there's a lot of fear. Like when I've made, you know, maybe comments in the past on social media, or I've just read other people's comments in some of these different um, groups that I'm in, it's, it's really like, you know, are you equipped to facilitate this? Are you, you know, are you licensed? Do you have this credential and this credential and this credential? And, you know, if you say the wrong thing, are you going to make, are you going to cause harm? Like that is the one thing that uh, in a lot of these groups and these discussions I've had. And even when, you know, Kelly, you and I were running the first equine, um, the first EWIM training, mm -hmm. people facilitate from a, a, a place of fear. They're afraid they're going to do something wrong. They're afraid they're going to mess something up. You know, and like you and I say, your fear is your fate. So, you know, what are, if you are creating a business and you're afraid you're not going to get enough clients, you're not going to make enough money, there's fear. You're afraid the client's not going to get a result. You're afraid there's something's going to happen in the arena that's going to be in a liability. And I just hear fear, 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 fear. And it's polluting, I think, everybody's ability to, to stay true to this work and tr trust the process and trust the horses. Um, and so I noticed that as I've managed my fears and really eliminated it, you know, even, even in the fear of, of having an uh, injury in the process, which has happened, it happened when you and I worked together that one time um, and knowing that nothing will ever happen if it, if there's no meaning behind it. And so if, you know, whatever happens in that arena is what is meant to come out, you know, and I'm not saying that everybody should just go off and start doing this without training or that that training doesn't need done. 
Um, but I think people are so can tend to get so focused on the technicalities of things, like you said, that it takes away from, first of all, the experience, and second of all, the ability to get really, really present. You know, have people said things to me in session that in my head, I'm like, I have no idea how to respond to that. Absolutely. I, I mean, I would imagine we all have had those situations. And, you know, it's those situations that I see as an opportunity to just get really in so present that you can feel everything, almost like horse present. Well, and that's, then that's what the horse is <laughs> yeah. actually yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. And, 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 and so just, just holding that space and being so present and just trusting this process, you know, but it is, it take it, it requires a deeper level of trust in the process. Mm -hmm. uh, it requires a deeper level of understanding of what the horse's capabilities really are. Um, it also takes you creating a species appropriate lifestyle for your horse based on the horse's value system, which, you know, we could do a whole nother podcast about. <laughs> we could do like a hundred podcasts. You know, but so this is like, this is just something, you know, and again, like I'm not trying to, to sway people or get people to stop doing what they're already doing. That's not what this is about. This is another layer. So I don't care if you play polo cross or you run a, a facilitation program for foster children. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're EGALA certified, PASS certified, let, you know, E3A, whatever. This can enhance anything you're doing. And to my knowledge, I have not found another um, avenue as deep as this. And, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to bring up is just how scientific this is. is. Are there metaphysics involved? Absolutely, there are metaphysics involved. I think the, the uninvolvement of metaphysics to psychology and science has been the, the biggest disadvantage to mankind ever in existence because metaphysics are real. Um, but also, you know, the, the research that has gone into this method and the, the hundreds of hours put in and all the case studies, I mean, I have 50 case studies just from this summer, but I really have 10 years of case studies. And I, Kelly, I'd assume you have many more than, than that of case studies. So this isn't just some idea, I think that you or I have just had, there's a lot of science behind this. And I think we, we both approached it from a scientific space of how can I disprove this? I think we've both done this work. We've both gone off and done other work and tried to find deeper work. And, you know, we just keep coming back to this because of the results, because of the validity every time. I'm yet, I am yet in all of this to find a time that this hasn't shown up and this hasn't worked. Totally, totally, totally relate to all of that and agree with, with everything that you just said is, and as you, you know, for the listeners, Amanda and I have been working together for a period of time relative to what we're discussing here. You know, even though I might be the podcast host, like I also have the opportunity to, to share the space yeah, in this discussion too. So, um, uh, yes, and I, through all my years of actually like training horses, horsemanship and, uh, you know, starting colts and playing different sports or, you know, competing in different disciplines in, in with horses, 
being able to drop into really researching human behaviour 17 years ago and then combining the two things, really realising that the layers that were are available or were available were somewhat missing a few things, right? And Amanda and I, was, you know, we came across each other to be able to, and Psych Universe put us together in some format because it required uh, her beautiful mind as well to be able to bring this part together that we've gone deep into the scientific aspect. You know me, I'm a closet geek and, and uh, can really look at the physics, the quantum physics and like the, the biology, the neurobiology, the, the intelligent body between man and horse and, and look at all those aspects that you require when you do a PhD on something, right? And being able to bring science into it, but also the metaphysical aspect too as well. So those two things for me are not separate, that they are the vitalistic and the mechanistic side of things. And the true essence of science is to disprove something, to actually bring it into a place of true science. So the, the deeper that we actually go into this research, and yes, we have multiple te test cases or case studies uh, that we have been testing, like myself, for 17 years, in, and I can't. I, you know, it keeps coming back time and time and time again relative to what we're actually seeing, what we're experiencing, what the horses are actually giving us some feedback, what the humans are actually giving us some feedback. And then, but also branching out into other scientists that are actually uh, exploring these particular areas too, not just only with horses, but with other animals, with other sentience, uh, other sentient beings, you know, even, even from a, a sub-atomic uh, level and the relative, relativeness of that between, you know, the mind-body correlation between the life inside of us, you know, I can list off multiple different people that are doing those particular things. So... I, and what we have actually developed is something that is, like I say, it's a syncretic layer. It's another layer above what is available to, from a, the equine-assisted learning or a gala or path or, or those particular aspects that are actually out there to bring the true essence of value, the true essence of the value to humans, the true essence of value to the value of the horse, this is where the fair exchange comes in, right? So, Amanda, I'd love for you to to talk about what you've noticed when we when we come when we talk about fair exchange and what you've seen because I know you've seen some beautiful things with the veterans that you actually work with, with the post traumatic stress disorders, um, and the horses because you know the, the horses that you have on your ranch, all thirty of them, are just beautiful sentient beings that are that are beautiful feedback mechanisms to the life inside uh, the people that get to share space with them inside the brown pens and you know where we can talk about uh, the you know PTSD or CPTSD is probably the highest form of stress or the highest form of interruption to a human's frequency and vibration right so what do you see and what have you experienced in the essence of fair exchange between those particular sessions that you get the opportunity to guide through? <clears throat> that is a great question, Kelly. Thank you for asking it. <laughs> if, if you are in the facilitation arena, you know, I, I hope you hear this and I hope this resonates because I've seen a lot of unintegrated 
um, states, and I've seen the impact that it can have on horses. And um, you know, it it can be detrimental to their health. So when I talk on this topic, I start uh, I start it this way. So think about a time that you've had someone call you, and they were upset and they just went on and on and they wanted to vent to you and maybe you made some recommendations um, but nothing was really resolved and they just dumped all their problems on you and then they're like okay gotta go by and they hang up i know we've all had that happen and i want you to think about how you felt in that moment when that has happened to you or maybe maybe they didn't even call you maybe they were in front of you and they were just dumping on you dumping on you and then like okay i gotta go they're like, oh man, I feel like, you know, we call them energy vampires. Like I just, I need to go take a nap. You're exhausted and drained. Yeah, it, it doesn't feel good. Um, it, it's depleting. Mm -hmm. um, but now I want you to think about a time that someone has called you and they've had a challenge, but maybe you've had some wisdom for them or maybe, you know, you bounce some ideas or they bounce some ideas off you and they, they have this epiphany and they're like, man, that is so great. I'm going to do this about my problem. I'm going to go work on that. Thank you. You know, and then they, they leave and hang up or hang up the phone. And you're like, you know, think about how that feels. You're like, oh, man, that's like energizing. You're like, wow, I had some impact. You know, I, I know they had a story and I had, I listened to it, but there was some form of resolve and they had a vibrational shift. And so anytime we have a shift in our vibration, whether it's in high vibration or low vibration, you know, we impact those in our field, whether that's on the, the telephone or in person. Um, and when we're in low vibration, like victimhood, grief, guilt, shame, um, we're actually sucking other people's energy into it. We're taking energy from people. Um, so that might be the case in the beginning of a session, but then once we get into an integrated state where we're in balance and then maybe we bring in gratitude or inspiration or certainty or enthusiasm, our vibration gets really high and we, we start emanating that high vibration and we give back to everyone around us. That's why some people can walk into a room and you're like, ooh, and then some people walk into a room and you're like, ah, I wanna be around that person. So it's really, really important you guys that you're integrating your clients, that is the epitome of creating fair exchange for our equine partners. If you're letting people walk out of your arena, not in an integrated state, which I mean, you know, can happen to everyone, but we try to mitigate that. And we try to have that happen as little as possible. And we try to make sure that, that the client um, or you yourself, if, if you're in the session with your horse, does have an integration so that you can share that energy and vibration back with them, that's really, really important. Um, you know, and, and I've been in environments where that happens, you know, and I've been in, <clears throat> I've been in, in working barns and, and I'll say I was in a, a barn in Can, uh, Kansas over the summer. Uh, my, one of my um, dear friends that I met this year, she's just lovely and she has an eventing barn and those horses work, but they are happy. They come up to do their job um, they're balanced, their bodies are balanced, they're in good shape, you know, and, and they work hard and they compete. She competes all over the country. Um, and those horses are balanced and integrated and it shows and it's, it's apparent. And I never know before I go into a barn. Um, I was also in another barn <clears throat> around that time. 
and those horses were unbelievably unintegrated and it was it was a hard space to be in they were mm -hmm. all dead inside completely dead inside mm -hmm. uh you know so but those horses and even while while we were in this barn you know someone made a side comment oh they're just tools <laughs> and it showed you know and and they all had medical problems they all had behavioral problems it was challenging so um you know it is so important when we talk about fair exchange you know, obviously there's other things that you can do, like setting up a species appropriate lifestyle. Horses need to have access to forage at all times. Even if you don't have big pastures, there's, there are plenty of ways. Paddock paradise, I'm a huge fan of. But setting up that species appropriate lifestyle. Uh, another thing is I will never take a horse into session well, my horses have 24 seven access to forage, but if they didn't, um, without giving them a couple of flakes of hay first, I would never um, put a horse in session uh, hungry because that draws from their focus and their energy and their ability to be present. Um, you know, if they're, if starvation mode has kicked in, you're not going to get the same, um, well, you'll get a response, <laughs> but you know, it's a, it's going to be a little depleting maybe for, for you and the client. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it, it's keeping, keeping like, I love the words that you like, species-appropriate lifestyle, which is relevant to the value of the animal, including humans too as well. And, and, and if you uh, polarise that, you're going to get the feedback rele relevant to that base point, right? And, and bringing into awareness that you are the creator of that is something that most humans don't actually consider, but uh, I'd love to sort of like uh, also go back to the fact that uh, I love the analogy of uh, taking the phone call, you know, like from the friend that's just dumping on you. And we see that quite a lot in, in these facilitation processes that are actually out there. And I equate it to going to the psychologist where you just go in there, you run your story and you keep dumping your shit onto the psychologist, right? And myself being a consultant that actually works with um, humans every day, uh, you know, people come with their story and one of the, the biggest things I say is like, stop, I'm not interested in your story. I'm not here to myelinate your story deeper into your body. I'm not here to myelinate your story deeper into your life. I'm here to actually integrate that. And this is in my observation that I observe the horses actually become the psychologists of the world where People just go, they dump their story and they, they get a quick fix. They get a dopamine, oxytocin fix, and then it becomes an addictive component. But there is a polarity that's occurring. And so the horse is the, the, the basically the conduit to be able to like dump their shit onto. And so we see this in the, in the animals. They become, uh, you know, one of two things. They actually go into a freeze component and they become desensitised through hedonic adaptation of the constant state of this happening. So they, they do lose the life inside themselves, right? And, you know, um, if you're listening to this, this may be controversial, but, you know, I want to bring awareness to that. You may be a psychologist and you're thinking, yeah, well, I'm, I've lost the life inside myself because I have people constantly running their stories and dumping their shit on me, right? And they go into a place of burnout. So the self-preservation in the human actually becomes greater than the real life that it's meant to be living. So we see that also with the horses, that they become 
automatrons just reacting to an environment that is projected upon them. So if, if uh, you know, we could actually go deeper into what does that actually mean, that means that there is, we're out of fair exchange with the species, right? We're out of fair, ex fair exchange with the, the appropriate lifestyle value of that particular animal, whether it's human or horse. So in the essence of the equine integration, uh, the equine wisdom integration method, and uh, also in combination with the equine metanoia method, is that we bring fair exchange to both human and animal in that. So, you know, this is where Amanda and I have actually like uh, teamed up with our minds to be able to, we were seeing these things and it was just like really eating us on the inside because we knew it was out of fair exchange. So the soul was actually trying to reveal to us like this is your potential life mission to be able to bring value back to animal and man. And together, we, you know, just stuck our heads together and, and, and looked at all these different research components and uh, be able to, to really bring awareness to how can we create fulfilment in both man and animal. So, you know, I, I want to thank you for actually like being on the podcast today and giving not only me the opportunity to thank you for the part that you've played in my life to and the horses' lives and, and to add to my research and as we're in fair exchange, you know, me adding to your research and, and hopefully we can continue the journey together relative to how many lives we can actually change around the world while we're still on this planet as we can. So. Absolutely. I think this is the start of something big. Mm, I believe so. <laughs> so <laughs> You're actually listening to this podcast and you'd love to get uh, more information from Amanda. How can people actually uh, contact you? Well, if you go to uh, our website, it's equinewisdominstitute.org. Uh, there's a lot of information on the website and then all the links to my social media platforms are also there on the homepage. You can also go to the website and subscribe. We're going to be giving, we give a lot of value away in our emails and um, the live groups that we do. And um, also we're going to have come out with some courses and some more training soon. Perfect. And also you can be able to, we'll put Amanda's details in the show notes. Um, if uh, you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Pods, you'll be able to access those details there. So I want to thank you again for the opportunity to actually like uh, have this beautiful conversation and thank you to our listeners for actually joining us again on the Human Source Codex podcast, which is brought to you by the Taurus Foundation, which is a consulting group that actually integrates the mind and the body of both horses and humans. So thank you. Uh, we will see you next time. So thank you, Amanda. Thank you for joining us. Thank you.